how the lawyer wants to test you a bit, perhaps wants to justify himself. Perhaps he feels threatened a bit. Perhaps he's a bit of a clever bit. Perhaps he wants to show Jesus that he's already doing it. So our question is the lawyer's question. Who is my neighbour? Is it somebody that I'm physically close to? Is it the person you're sitting next to now? Is it the person you sit next to at work or at school? Is it the person over the fence at home or across the road? If we list all of those people, is that it? Have we exhausted who is our neighbour? Is it our friends on social media? Or the people we connect with? We don't call them friends on all these platforms, do they? But whoever it is we're connected to on our particular social media things, are those our neighbours? Are these the people we should be loving in some way? So, let's think about the characters in this story. First of all, we've got the lawyer, the person who asked the question. And then in the story itself, we've got the person who's traveling. He's going from one city to another. It can be dangerous, as he was to discover. So the first person who walks by after, the, after he's attacked is a priest. So this is a religious professional. Okay? And then there's a lever. This is a, also a very religious, especially religious kind of person. You expect both of these people to, to know what to do and always to do the right thing. What about the Samaritan? The Samaritan is in fact the person from just over the border. Now you might have noticed that people tend to dislike those people who are just over the border. So I know there's a scene between us and France, but there's a lot of stuff, isn't there, that goes on historically and today about the British and the French, and presumably from the other direction too. But if you're a sports fan, you'll also know that the team that you dislike the most are the ones from just over the border. Rugby's my thing too. I'm from Cardiff. <laughs> okay, so um, and uh, the team that we always used to dislike the most was Newport. Obviously, that. Where did you think I was going? Um, my eldest son is a Bristol City fan. I sent him a link yesterday to an interview in a newspaper with. Ian Holloway, who used to be the manager of Bristol Rovers. He replied saying, good interview, gas skull. He was joking, I think. I went with my other son, who was a big Arsenal fan, to see a European game. They were playing Dynamo Zagreb. It was going very well at the Emirates Stadium. Halfway through the second half, all the Arsenal fans started singing. Stand up if you hate the Spurs. Stand up, okay? Spurs were nowhere in sight, but one of the things that made them kind of together, unified, was the fact that they were not like Spurs. So these were the Samaritans, just over the border. All kinds of suspicions about the Samaritans and about their religion. And then, of course, there's the donkey, the means of transport without which the good Samaritans would not have been able to do what he did, and the innkeeper who looked after him. It's a very dramatic story, and I think really to get it fixed in our minds properly, we need to dramatise it now. 
So I'm looking for volunteers. For a, which part would you like to play? Yours is, you don't, okay, so uh, we need somebody who's the traveller who's going to get beaten up. Who'd like to be beaten up? And of course, <laughs> and of course then um, moved on a donkey. Uh, we, we'll work on a donkey somehow. Uh, to, to a place of safety and recovery. Who would, who would like to do this? But preferably somebody fairly light. <laughs> but who? who nobody queuing up to be. Well, we'll come back to that in a moment then. Uh, so, what about the robbers? We need at least two robbers. <laughs> okay, so you two would like to come out here, please. These are the beaters up. Thank you very good. Expect from like um, okay, so now we need the people who walk by on the other side. So we want the priest, first of all. This is what's known as a walk on part. <laughs> to, to walk by on. I think it's quite appropriate for Rachel. Now you have to rob her, so make sure she's... 
good, good. So she said she didn't have anything in her, wa in her pockets, but her watch has been taken. I can And then they got, and we're just left wondering what they 
how this encounter with Jesus affected them. If it affected them at all, of course. He might have turned up, asked this question, thinking he was really a bit of a smart aleck. And because he didn't get the answer he wanted, it might not have changed him at all. We would never be like that, would we? If we don't hear what we want to hear, we just dismiss it. We wouldn't do that. Who knows, perhaps this man went away and thought a lot about it. A lot about what Jesus had said and about what that really meant for him as he tried to be a faithful, God-fearing person. Right, we're going to come back to that drama in a minute, but first of all, we're going to sing again. I think this time we're going to sing a song about pain. So let's think about those characters in the story again. Jesus told a story very much of his time. All of these characters would have had a particular meaning to those who were listening. So the sun's coming out. The market square is bathed in autumnal light. Is this the center of the nightlife in Wilton? <laughs> So supposing that our story had taken place out there, late one weekday night, nobody much around, somebody going home, their friends perhaps, and they're set upon. Thank you. 
Oh, somebody's coming up. Yes, and Lady of the Greyhound Club. Yes, over here. Thank you. Okay, so um, presumably you you know all the moves. Presumably, the Lady of the Greyhound Club. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, have we missed everybody now? We got everybody now. Uh, Paul's going to get beaten up by the. Thank <laughs> you. 
Now, Jesus didn't tell this story in the last. But we've had a laugh this morning. Reenacting. But it's deadly serious. And uh, sometimes we can use humour as just a way to get at things that are really very, very serious. So, I wonder how this story challenges us as a church. I've referred to the square a few times. You're the people who live here. You're the only ones who can know who your neighbours are. Sounds like a great name. Yeah. How do you love the other people that walk past this church, that come into it for other purposes than worship? How do you be a neighbor to them? Those are the kinds of questions that this raises, and it, it raises questions for us as individuals too, about how we are a neighbor to other people, not always expecting other people to treat us well, but actually wanting to be neighborly to others. Who are the people that we need to be neighborly to? Well, Jesus says, whoever you happen to come across your needs. Then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, this bit, isn't it? Sometimes in Christianity, we give people the impression that you're supposed to hate yourself. We use very extreme language like that sometimes. But the suggestion is that we should love ourselves. So don't use it as a get out clause. Oh, I need to love myself so I can't do that tonight. Not willing to commit. Because it's not about loving ourselves first, it's about loving ourselves equally with others who need us. We shouldn't have any favourites, not even us. Now, here's a question for older members of the congregation. Just lately, we've been going through prime ministers at a bit of a rate of You may have noticed. You cast your back, cast your mind back, several prime ministers. There was a prime minister who actually referred to this story as part of their political explanation for what they were doing. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Can you remember what she said about it? She said the important thing was that the Samaritan had money. Yes. <laughs> So, at the time, I remember being outraged by this, but then I was in a permanent state of outrage when Mrs. Thatcher was Prime Minister. <laughs> Declare that now. But the more I thought about this, the more I thought, you know, there's a sense in which you might have a point. Because we need to ask ourselves, before, before, we, before we look out the window and say, oh, we're going to go and find all the people who need us, and we're going to be neighbours to them. Actually, before we do that, we need to think, well, what resources do we have, actually, to be able to help people? Sometimes, promising to help people, and they're not delivering it, is worse than not promising in the first place. Worse than not doing anything at all. So the point that perhaps Mrs. Thatcher was saying, well, actually, you do have to be aware of how many resources you have. The, the, the innkeeper and the landlady of the Greyhound insisted on being paid by the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan said that they'd be back later to pay if there was anything else owing. So there's a sense in which we have a certain... We're not unlimited. We are not God. We, we, we can't solve every problem. So somehow we have to find ways 
of using the strength that we do have, the resources that we do have, to be neighbours to as many people in a helpful and constructive way as we possibly can. In some ways we have to pace ourselves. So I think that's a little bit of a footnote, the most unlikely footnote in anything I've ever given that you know, is an address or a sermon, a footnote recognising that Mrs Thatcher had a point. <laughs> 30th of October 2022, I said it. But that's not to let us off, to let, not to let us off the really big challenge of this story. But we shouldn't be asking who's my neighbour, we should be saying to whom can we be a Who needs us now? Jesus tells the story, then he says, at the end, go and do life. That's what we need.